0: Anyway, back to the podcast. Testing, testing.
1: We're good? We're yep. good. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, welcome, everyone. Thanks for coming out. This is fun. Uh, I haven't been able to do this, I think, since November, House Church. We didn't have one in December, so this is good. Um, Let me turn, I feel like I'm Yeah Um, Let me pull up my notes, sorry Great Uh, Today we wanted to talk about um, a topic Well, I'll get there in a second before I do I'm going to do a hard pivot and a transition And hopefully you'll be generous to me But can anyone, does anyone know off the top of your head It kind of goes along with what Billy was sharing The number one read New York Times article in 2021 anyone anyone see this it's the top of the list it was by a psychologist his name is adam grant and the name of the title was um, the name of the article was feeling blah during the pandemic it's called languishing and it was the this whole idea of of languishing and i um, heard a podcast on it this week and i just thought it was I mean, we all feel it, right? He says this. It's a, the, the article start, starts out this way. It wasn't burnout. We still had energy. It wasn't depression. We didn't feel hopeless. We just felt somewhat joyless and aimless. It turns out, there's a name for that, languishing. Languishing is a sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. And it might be the dominant emotion of twenty twenty one Can anyone relate with that? We were on an advisory team call this week, and one of the one of the gentlemen he's pastors of church in the northwest, and he was just like just just a little encouragement for you guys, like everyone I know like they're tapped out at like eighty percent right now, like that's the max they can go just It's been a crazy couple of of years and so and I mentioned all that to say um I mean." That resonates with me i I was guessing maybe i'm the only one but i don't think so but um but i was just thinking as we were um planning these house church times we don't like have a master like plan (laughs) sketched out but i remember in november when we did it we we intentionally tom spoke everyone remember that on like scripture like how do you open how do you feed yourself and it was like you know what actually we probably don't need like this raw raw like talk moment like hype up everyone What's probably like really helpful is actually to, like just super practical ways to feed our soul to like actually open up scripture. And if you read in the article, it talks about languishing. Isn't just a feeling, but it's actually like not having a mission you're on in life. It says, it says you feel somewhat joyless and aimless mm-hmm. and you're not like pressing in. And he actually talks about the antidote to that is a concept he calls flow in the article. And I was just thinking like, what is, what is spiritual flow? Like, what does that mean? Like, when we're just like consumed with like a challenge, it's all gripping. Um, and anyway, so this is where the hard pivot's going to come in. Forgive me. Um, today, we're going to talk about giving. Um, <laughs> um, but I think just actually, we wanted to like just do practical like like things that we can install in our lives that we see modeled by Jesus and in scriptures, like habits, things like opening up the scripture giving like just different things and so today we're going to talk about this we actually we've been around in some form or fashion for about two and a half years now didn't anticipate a pandemic when we were going to launch this church but we haven't talked once about the topic of giving Um, so please if this is your first time or you're new (laughs) forgive us we don't talk about this all the time Um, but I did think like actually like building blocks in our lives like installing things in our lives actually does contribute like there are certain things you can install with intention that if if you build them on a, on top of each other and you do them like day after day or week after week that actually does lead towards a life that isn't languishing that you're part of something bigger than yourself and so i thought it could be a cool um a cool way to to to, to frame this conversation Just, I know all sorts of emotions come up when we talk about giving in a church context. Um, So I just wanted to say, my operating assumption today um, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, if if Jesus has has captured you and you're in his family, like, actually, you have an incredibly, insanely generous heart. Like, it's in you. Like, that has been put in your DNA. So, like, my intent today, and, like, if it feels this way, please discard it, but my intent is not to, like, pound something in you or, like, say, "This you got to do this, you got to do this. It's actually to cultivate, to bring something up out from us. Um, so that's the hope. So we're going to actually do a lot of scripture reading today. I've got a, I've got a handout. I hand these around. And so most of it's just going to be looking at scripture. And actually, we're going to do a lot of discussion today. I think uh, for those at the prayer meeting on Tuesday... Uh, we spent the first little bit just looking at the lord 's prayer and like breaking into groups and saying like what uh what God spoke to us through it and I thought it was amazing, like so many people had some incredible insight so we 're actually going to do that a few different times today. Let the scriptures speak for themselves and i 'm just going to kind of guide the discussion if you will so I'll right now i 've got i 'll pass these out shall I go ahead There should be enough for everyone um there's two questions at the top. What feelings or concerns naturally rise up in you when it comes to talking about money in a church context? Um, so what, what, what immediately rises up in you? And then two, share a story. Can you think of a story of a time when either you or someone you know or look up to like, was extremely generous, like stepped out in generosity? What happened as a result? So two questions, what rises up when you when, when I said, we're going to talk about money today, what uh, stirred up inside of you? And then two, do you know anyone that's been radically generous, what happened as, as a result? And then you can go for it. So I'll give you about five minutes, find a neighbor, pair, pair up in twos or threes, and then uh, we'll come back and, and talk through it.
2: Nobody's really making it up. It's This <laughs> <a> <laughs> <about> <one>. to my church. <laughs>
1: And we're going to try to keep this moving along. So if you haven't got to the second question yet, go ahead and, and do that one. (laughs)
3: I'm going the money and like he's like I think
1: all right maybe one more minute All right, all right, let's try to come back together now. <laughs> cool. Thanks, everyone. Um, we'll try to just share a few briefly. If anyone, we'll try to get lots of voices in the room today. So if anyone uh, wants to share briefly, what, what emotions come up? Would anyone want to volunteer? You can be brutally honest. <laughs>
2: Corruption.
1: Corruption. <laughs> yeah. Resentment. <laughs> what was that? Sometimes resentment. Resentment. <laughs> if, I'm
4: i not
1: in this church, so that's what I can say. <laughs> 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 what about resentment? How is <laughs> I said Well, um you could be in
4: another church yeah. where you said it's given money to that particular church. Yeah. You like or like
0: that. Yeah, you don't like
1: <laughs> where it's going or how the things are functioning, yeah, for sure. Any others? Some mistrust. Mistrust. Yeah. Not a lot of positives, always. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I
5: suppose the, like, the questions have concerns. So it's like yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyone have a story? of radical generosity either you or a friend or someone else uh, you don't mind sharing I can share one yeah growing up I grew up in a
4: single family home my mum was as poor as can be and I remember being a kid and our car would always break down Car and we'd, my mum was a new Christian, she was super young. And all she needed to do was to lay hands on the bonnet and pray. <laughs> and most times, the car would start when we get home. And it was just this kind of long, just the car never worked, we just always struggled. And I remember we woke up one morning and somebody in the church who had means. Just my mom a brand new car, <laughs> and it wasn't just like a
1: second hand. Like it was wow. brand brand new, but it wasn't like
6: this another banger car.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was like this really nice mini Clubman. Wow. Ooh,
4: nice. With like alloy wheels, <laughs> cool. black, with leather seats, like an amazing car. Wow. And um, just growing up, just constantly, we just had no money. We were just beyond poor. And the amount of times we'd wake up in the morning, my mom would pray we have no food, Like we have no money for food. And then the next morning, there'd be an envelope on the doorstep, like in the letterbox with a wad of cash to help (sighs) us. And that was just my experience of the local church.
1: That was just very hands and feet. Whoa. That's incredible. What did that, what did that do to you? I mean, you kind of answered at the end, but how was your view of the church through that shaped, you know, as a kid? Yeah.
4: Um, I think tons of good. Yeah. Um, of like, I believe that's what we are meant to be as a church. Yeah. Um, and just, we should help the needs within the church, within each other. I think some of it though, I did grow up then having a slight warped theology of money in a way that was mm. actually unhealthy. Because I just saw God provide all the time, which is awesome, right? And amazing, but. I think sometimes I think as I was like a more immature Christian, like, still so did that expectation. Of, oh God, of provide <laughs> which is, yeah. good, but then sometimes it doesn't, and you yeah. wrong. so just having to like navigate, like being careful. I'm not going into the camp of like prosperity, yeah. Which I think I was for a while. Yeah, and I think part of that was that experience. Like I just really experienced a tangible like prosperity in that way. So it's living with the and and but that God does want to bless, but sometimes he does withhold.
1: And it's just walking that line of we can pray and ask, oh yeah, but
4: we might not receive. And, yeah. it's, and it's like that tension of do I still trust him even if
1: I oh, man.
4: whatever that is, whether it's money or healing or whatever. So yeah. I
2: think just walking that of he does want to bless,
1: but and yeah. That's awesome. You bring up a good point. Cool. Any another story? Any anything else?
5: I got another positive one. Yeah. Like my sister and her husband just helped to start a, an organization that helps with displaced kids in Gaza. And, yeah. and, um, and, and like there's a big thing where the like kids with mental health don't get any help there and they they have they really just done a few friends set up an organization. So they do that, but they give a lot of money to it, and all of the money goes, none of the money goes towards their administrative costs. They just send all of the money that comes in out. And like they, and they've and they done that and it's pretty typical of them, and just nothing's, they've never had a moment where they got blessed 10x or 7x what they've given, but they always seem to live in peace when it comes to money, and they never seem to need anything that's lavish, and they're just, they're just generally peaceful. And, it's sort of like, and to me, there's a link between their willingness to give and not expect to get back at their, their level of peace oh That's awesome It's
1: great thanks for sharing anyone else one more story I have a little story that when I was it was like the first time I heard God speak to me um, I was five and I got to kind of be
7: part of an answer to prayer for someone else and see that play out but I was in next with my dad in the slums we were there to show the Jesus film, and I had saved like washed cars cleaned my neighbor's house like did things to save up money so I had like $20 as a five year old which is you know going to go far in the market in Mexico like I didn't know um but I had brought like me we went to the market first and I didn't want anything which also like what, what five year old doesn't want something like <laughs> but we got to the slums and like I was playing tag and like was playing with the other kids some point, he like, I came up to my dad, I was like, I want to give my money to this little girl, <laughs> and my dad's like, okay, um, so he's trying to figure out, like, who this girl belongs to, talking with the pastor, and uh, he was like, actually, we're taking care of this girl, um, her dad's a director.
1: But that experience uh, was really shaping me at like such a young age to see like yeah. how God answered her prayer through me. Mm-hmm. And wow, That's amazing, yeah. so good, it's awesome. Well, thank you. I'm sure we all have our own little stories if we think back on it of like just that you know the way that giving has shaped us. Um, and uh, the way that God has provided and the way that we step out in faith or people stepped out in faith and then God met them in unexpected ways. Um, um, We'll we'll go in, though. Um, Basically, I wanted to start off and saying, like, why is this important? Hello. (laughs) Why is this important? And I think in broad brushstrokes, three big themes, and we won't go through everything on these handouts. That's why I left them so you can kind of go through on your own time if you want. But three big themes pieces of focus for me um, like 1A it's like super biblical <laughs> you can't avoid it in scripture B counterformation. we're being formed into something whether we're cognition of it or not and I think the culture has a lot it's trying to tell us about money who are we being formed into what type of people um, maybe on an individual level and then the third reason is expand that out to the church we're starting to we're starting a new church in San Francisco. We're laying foundations for what this culture is going to be. And actually, there's a lot in Scripture to say about like, money as it operates through the church. And we want to make sure we're laying healthy foundations, solid foundations, as we set this culture up. We've, what a responsibility, but what a privilege and honor, an honor and opportunity to like, lay healthy foundations. So corruption and resentment don't have to set in, right? Um, so just really briefly on the biblical front you've got it in the scriptures or you've got it in your handout 2,000 scriptures in the Bible talk in some way about money that's two times as much as scriptures talk about faith and prayer combined about one out of every 16 verses that's about 6% of all scriptures talk about money now there's some debate you know what actually should clarify like classify as money or not even if you like cut that in half (laughs) and like say half of those it's only 1,000 verses it's still 1,000 verses it's huge it's everywhere so in the old testament from the very beginning Cain and Abel you see them like something in them propelled them to give sacrifices to give back Abraham is the first time that a tithe is introduced Uh, Genesis 14 You go all the way through and, and, you know, Leviticus um, and Deuteronomy, there's tithes that are actually laid out in the law. Not just one tithe, but actually three tithes uh, of 10% each. Um, You know, you go to the prophets, there's constantly calling Israel back to generosity. And in the New Testament, it actually amps up a bit. One out of every 10 verses in the Gospels is about money. Some people say about 25% of Jesus' words deal with this idea of stewardship. Um, You see the early church, i put on here like Ananias and Sapphira who like, you know, they were struck dead because of their uh, dishonesty with with money, but then actually you see the early church like laying down everything, selling everything so that it could be said there was no poor among them, there was no needy among them. You see Paul constantly taking up offerings from the Greek churches to bring it to the the churches in Jerusalem and Judea. You see all of this happening, and it's, it's all throughout. So it's like if we don't, never talk about money, we never like actually deal with money in our own hearts, in our own lives. So we're like, it's a huge you know, black hole. It's, we're, we're missing a huge part of actually a, what God has instructed us for. So but to get in a little bit more deeply, like I already talked about it a bit, but counterformation. formation um, I looked up some stats. Um, the average person today sees around 6,000 to 10,000 advertisements every single day, 6,000 to 10,000. It's double the rates uh, from 2007. So when the iPhone was introduced, 2007, we've seen two times as much. if you go back to the 1970s, it's 20 times as much, just in 50 years. Um, If you had a penny for every time you saw an advertisement in 2021, Uh, you'd have over (laughs) $36,000 just from advertisements. Um, It equates to about 10 times per every waking minute of your life. Um, And, you know, these advertisements are not meant to be, like, neutral, right? Like, they – you're bombarded with this message that you're not enough. You need something. There's something wrong with you. Um, There was a famous New York Times – I don't know why I'm quoting all the New York Times today. But New York Times op-ed, January of 2014 – a guy named Sam Polk, it was called for the Love of Money." He opened a, the, the article. It says, "In my last year on Wall Street, my bonus was 3.6 million, and I was angry because it wasn't big enough. I was 30 years old, had no children to raise, no debts to pay, no philanthropic goals in mind. I wanted more money for the exactly same reason an alcoholic needs another drink. I was addicted. When the guy next to you makes 10 million, 1 million, or 2 million doesn't look so sweet. And you can hear that and kind of sneer and, like, oh my gosh, you're like, oh my goodness, you're ridiculous. Um, and then actually, but we can actually be blind to the, some of the same dynamics at play within us. Um, Jesus, we'll, we'll read it in a second, but he is often very explicit about, don't be greedy. And you actually don't see him being so explicit about, Don't be an adulterer, you know. Um, I mean, he says that, but he doesn't, like, say, and actually the reason, like, if if you're having an affair, you kind of know it, right? (laughs) But I don't know many people that would actually, it's very rare that someone would say, actually, I'm dealing with, like, a greed problem in my heart. We can be deceived so quickly. Like, we don't actually recognize it or know it um, because it just kind of seeps in. Um, So we're going to break into groups again. Uh, with that kind of in mind that like this culture is contested space we're not we 're going to be formed into something what, are we, what do we need to be formed into there 's like a, a def- defense like we need to be aware and like resist but also we need to like be pro forming into something like choosing what we want to follow and be formed into um, so we go to uh, one of jesus 's famous sermons matthew six it 's uh, matthew six nineteen through thirty three You can turn to it in Scripture. you have got some Bibles up there on the table if you want, or I've got it printed out for you um, in the NIV. But why don't you go back to your groups. Actually, let's have someone read it. Would someone volunteer to read that out loud? And then what we're going to do, go back to your groups. We'll take five minutes. Just highlight anything. I mentioned anything that stood out to you about those verses. Um, Would someone be up for reading that? What verses? Matthew 6:19 through 33 It's
3: Sure. I can cool. Thanks, Robbie. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal For where your treasure is there your heart will be also The eye is the lamp of the body if your ears are healthy For if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and the money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? So, how the flowers? Of, see how the flowers of the field grow. They did not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grasses of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Robbie. So let's break into groups again. Uh, What do you notice? Anything that God's highlighting in that? Share it with them, and then we'll come back together. Just a few minutes. (laughs) I the I'm
3: going to start with the grass and the field. how much greater are you? the always like that
8: it's of you it I comes from lack of trust just to be real it's always just kind of a I'm <laughs> just So if you're like, I didn't know to go. think I said, well, it's a huge, but it's a huge, but it's a
7: huge, but it's a huge, but it's a I'm <laughs> about
1: All right, one more minute and we'll come back together. Let's, let's come back together. Yeah. Thanks. What's that? Oh, thank All right. I'm curious. Uh, maybe we can go around. What are a few of the things you noticed or that were highlighted in your group? If you don't want to share, just nominate someone else in your group to share <laughs> for you. <laughs> Somebody said something really profound. anyone I guess no. angus
6: um we were talking about how um, he talks about worrying about things and provisions and clothes and stuff like that and how um money can be so linked into like our sense of control yes and our security and that's almost a bigger problem than just the love of money and wanting lots of money it's we want to be the masters of our lives oh
1: Yeah, so it's linked, it's not just the money thing, it's like linked to a sense of control yeah. where where Jesus is asking us to surrender fundamentally everything. So it actually is, it, there's a string tied to a lot of other things. You, you've highlighted one. Ah, that's great.
8: I mean, I think, like, at a deep level, he's talking about worry. Yeah, pivoting off of, like, the thing of worry. Yes. Which I think, like, the, the substance of worry is ultimately be like I'm afraid that there's not going to be enough or that I'm not going to get what I want and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm afraid of that and he's like you have nothing to be afraid of because I'm going to take care of you mm. like look at the grass in the field and that's to me that's really confronting as one who wants to like provide and, and it's like oh you're the one that does this do I actually think you do this or do I do
1: this mm. Well. Wow. Yeah, so you got it linked to issues of control, issues of fear, anxiety. And actually, Jesus mentions, often when Jesus talks about greed and the love of money, it's linked to anxiety. So if you think about the parable of the sower, the seed that fell among the thorns, he said it was the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life. Deceit of wealth tied with actually like anxiety, worries of this life. That chokes out the gospel from forming. Yeah. Fascinating. Anyone else? Yeah, I think even in the season
2: when it comes to like what I <laughs> assume provision is has been really challenged. And I think a lot of that comes kind of up like I think financially, like I personally victory, like what I really want is like not just money, I want to be able to have time. but like, I want to afford being free and like, mm. Last day that I called her, like after I, it was like she tested negative that day. But I called her, and like I just felt like God was like, uh, you know, she was like, I'm, I'm feeling better and feeling good now, and I had been praying for her a lot. I felt God say like, you don't, you don't always understand my provision. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that like humbled me really quickly. I was like, oh, like I'm, you actually do provide in a lot of ways that I'm not getting credit for. Wow. It should
1: look like this. Yeah. wow yeah it's fascinating I love it it kind of reminds me of Tom's message from last pop-up when like you talked about the perceived lack actually is a gift in itself because it pushes us to understand God's provision in other ways or it pushes us to to seek him yeah it's fascinating yeah
4: Basis, there are people who ask those questions and then they have options for each one. And then I think <laughs> on a day basis, there are people who ask those questions and there's often not any options. Yes. So I
1: if there's
4: anything at all. And so I think this, I love this verse, and I think it's a good thing, it's spoken about often, but I think it's harder in, in an earthly sense mm.
2: for people who have less access. When they
4: give, mm-hmm. and it invites the idea in of like, um, when you give, like, are you able to still live abundantly, whatever that looks like, materially, or mm-hmm. um, are things still tight? Um, and so that's just the
5: question that comes to mind when I read this, and it makes me think about,
1: um, I guess giving beyond monetary, yes, uh, yes, but also giving in action, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah that's great generosity extends way beyond monetary too i remember <laughs> the last church i was a part of in nashville it was so interesting we were buying a house because we thought god was like was calling us to nashville but we had to we had to install a kitchen before we actually like close on the house just so could we get a conventional loan long story but i was just uh, we bought a we bought a uh like old kitchen on a storage unit like 45 minutes south of the city um and i didn't know what i was getting into i didn't know like construction at all but we just had to install it and i called our pastor because he lived close by uh at the time and just told him and he's like you're not gonna fit all that in your car like do you know what you do and he dropped everything at that moment met me there with a got a trailer like he he uh put all the cabinetry on the trailer like drove it all the way back up to the city for us and like got it situated but he's probably spent like six hours of his day like on an instant phone call i was driving down there and it was just like that was no big deal like and not not everyone can do that all the time of course but it was just like that culture i was entering into like when i was just starting to consider joining this church it was like whoa like these people operate by a different like there's a generous generous spirit as you were talking about that you could you could feel. I remember, um, I don't know if anyone's listened to the podcast, maybe a loaded, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, Um, but it's about, you know, some some, um, really poor examples of leadership in the church, but one of the examples um, they were talking about is a guy was following this celebrity pastor all around the world and doing this film series, and they were in London, um, and he got sick, I think some eye disease or something, some And he got really sick and he was a big nuisance on the pastor that was like filming because, and he was like, he actually left him behind. And then there was a story, if you remember it, uh, he said Toppy, the uh, pastor Toppy in London actually like saw his condition and dropped everything he had and like took care of him. Like, at his own expense, put him up. He, like, made sure he got into the – like, I don't think he actually had to pay for medical bills in London. That was awesome. But, but, like, you know, like, made sure he got set up with, like, all the medication and everything. Um, And that's actually – you're friends with Toppy, right? Like, he's a part of our family of churches, which is amazing. But it was just, like, I'm sure if you ask Toppy, he probably doesn't even remember that day. Like, it was just, like – he was just helping someone. But for this guy, like – he was choked up. He was crying on that podcast because he was like, this is an example of someone who like saw me and, and I just think about that generous spirit. Anyway, um, I know we're running short on time, so I'm going to skip through some of these things and then we're going to do another one again. But just, not just the resistance, but also like actually Jesus invites us towards something. That's what I was kind of getting at here. Um, a, he's like extravagantly generous. So just to pull out a few examples. Of course, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave. Romans 8.31-32, if God is for us, who can be against us? Did he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Luke 11.32, further on down, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so, like, I think we have this opportunity a, like we kind of got it got already, but like imitate our father. Like, this is who he's like. But also, like, trust, right? That trust, like, as we give, he's going to meet us. Like, we can't outgive God. Um, I remember a story my sister, um, she went through a horrific divorce. She was pregnant with her first daughter, and um, her husband left her. And um, they had recently bought a house together and uh, they had to sell everything really quickly and um so her house was in the market and um someone saw that they had like a new crib set up in the house this was before the market was absolutely crazy <laughs> so like when um but saw so, so a crib in the in the and it had been on the market a while Saw so they had a crib in the house and she inquired with her realtor about the story so like what's going on with this house and the realtor like knew what was happening they had to sell the house you know just after they bought it because of the divorce and everything and this person was a christian who's buying the house and said how much would i have to offer on this house to make sure that my sister erica is made whole on the house and doesn't lose money on this transaction because i know what's going on in their life and so she actually put in an offer over asking when that wasn't normal Uh, just to make sure she could cover like her expenses because she knew what was going on Um, and I think like man like we have an opportunity to participate like that's the heart of the father right like that's amazing Um, there's an opportunity about uh, or there's a whole um, examples in scripture about like stewardship versus ownership which is really challenging for me you know there's a big push in our culture have ownership mindset, ownership mindset, which is great. It means you take responsibility. I think there's a lot of biblical principles to that. But ultimately, like scripture teaches, like we don't actually own anything. This is all God's. Mm-hmm. And we get to decide how much we get to give back to him, you know, of his money, of his things. Um, Terry Virgo, who uh, was kind of leads or used to lead our family churches. He has a story. They were doing a big gift day. And he was singing the song, um, "I give you everything," and you know. Um, and he was worshiping that. And then he heard, um, he just heard God say to him, "Like, you don't have to give me everything; just your IRA, or the like, the English e- equivalent to the retirement account." And he's like, "Okay, I guess I'll do it." <laughs> so he he gave his IRA balance to the to the worship um, campaign, or you know, it was something like that, some retirement. But it was just that, that story, like, actually, like, he was struck. Like, I say I give you everything, but do I actually believe, like, it's all yours? I think we have a package. I'm
5: make sure, it's
7: not a child. Cool.
1: You can read, I'd, I'd highlight Luke 16 to you. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Um, and whoever is dishonest with very little can also be dishonest with much so if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property who will give you property of your own no one can serve two masters either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve both God and money um, this idea that like actually money or finances is a test who actually owns it God owns it um, we're just stewarding for a short time. The third bit, trusting God with our first fruits. I won't spend too much here, but it's actually not like make sure you satisfy your needs and then tip God with what's left over. Actually, there's a principle like actually the first thing you get, like it's God's, and you set that, and then you will be surprised how much margin you have left over to meet your needs. But like that, getting that that principle in first is I think is really important. the end of the passage we just looked at: seek first His kingdom and these will be given to you. Um, And then putting things in proper perspective, I love this quote from John Tyson and Darren Whitehead. People who only consider this life for their money have a tendency toward a scarcity mentality. My limited resources must be spent in my lifetime or I'm not getting the best out of life. The scriptures tell us the opposite. God has unlimited riches in Christ Jesus, and we have an eternal inheritance kept for us in heaven. This enables us to be incredibly generous with what we have in our short lives. Um, Skip down to 1 Timothy 6. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. I think what you were getting at earlier, um, we're the rich, you know, compared to some of other people. It says, command those not to be arrogant, nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. But put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation in the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that's truly theirs. Um, There's some websites you can go to. One of them is called Global Rich List. You can type in your income and your net worth, and it spits out actually where you compare in wealth to the world. And I think we can get so confused. i typed in some some, uh, uh, balances. So if you make $58,000, congratulations, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. Uh, You're you're the top 1% of the world's earners. If you're in $30,000, you're in the top 5%. If you're in $10,000, you're in the top 10% we can get, especially living in a city like this, we can get so like distorted about what, and I get it, like I, I'm right there. But it says actually command those who are rich not to be arrogant or put your hope in that, you know. So um, we'll move forward. There's also this thing about presenting a countercultural cultural image to of what the church is like to the world. I love this quote by Tim Keller. The early church was strikingly diff- different than the culture around it in this way. The pagan society was stingy with its money and promiscuous with its body. The pagan gave nobody their money and practically everybody their body. And then the Christians came along and gave practically nobody their body. And they gave practically everybody their money. There was a quote right under that um, someone was defending the church to Caesar in 125 AD. And this is what they described about the early church. They love one another. And he who has gives to him who has not without boasting. And when they see a stranger, they take him in their, in their own homes and rejoice over him as a very brother. And if there is among them any that is poor and needy, and they, have no, no, and they have no spare food, they fast two or three days in order to supply to the needy their lack of food. Such, O king, is their manner of life. And verily, this is a new people and there is something divine amidst them. Wow, what a vision. Like, what would it be like if San Francisco yeah. saw that about us? Um, cool. We're going to read one more passage, break into groups, and then we'll be on, be on our way soon. Um, we got two big chunks. So 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, probably the biggest section in Scripture where Paul is commanding the church or instructing the church, the early church, about... Giving so we're going to transition into like how this works in the church context. And um, so I, I um, took a couple of big slices um, uh, from this and uh, could I have two volunteers to read out the first Second Corinthians eight and then the next Second Corinthians nine? We call on people. <laughs> Billy, would you mind reading out Second Corinthians eight? Is that cool? Tanner, the Second Corinthians 9 passage, would you mind? Awesome. Again, we'll read this, break into groups, and see what comes out.
8: And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, the overwhelming, their overwhelming joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. That since you excel in everything—in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in completeness, in complete earnestness—and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace given. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for the sake he became, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich.
6: Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In their prayers, for, your, for you their hearts will go out to you, because of the surpassing grace God has given me, Thanks be to God for his incredible, indescribable gift.
1: Awesome. Great. Right. Cool. Last, last time. Let's break into groups, let's dig deep, and uh, just whatever's highlighted for you, share it with your, your group. (laughs)
8: I think
7: that's
4: the
8: so i to and both
0: I think
8: the am i the I need more It's always like
6: that. a i to so i the I mean, time that I so we need to the
1: All right, one more minute, and we'll come back together. All right, let's come back together. I'm really eager to hear what came out. <laughs> Anyone want to kick us off? What'd you notice? What'd your What'd your group highlight? Yeah,
5: was good. Right, well, I'll say it, but we've talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> It was the uh, first book where it said, "and so he's talking about the Macedonians at the moment, and they exceeded our expectations." So it's this bit. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. Yes. And then, by the will of God, also to us. It yes. Was, uh, under duress, give it to us. We're doing the will of the Lord. And yes. It was a the God spoke to them first, and then they. So it was, uh, yeah. There was a different sequence to it.
1: Yes. So important. Yeah,
5: I think if you have a
0: personal sense of indebtedness to God that's when everything begins to change. Ooh. Um, somebody once said, I think that uh, faith makes all things possible, but love, love for God, makes all things easy. Mm. If you have gratitude, deep gratitude, and a sense of having been saved and being
5: blessed day by day, then it becomes a hundred times easier.
1: Wow. That's amazing. I love that. It reminds me, I think it was a C.S. Lewis quote. Someone asked him if it was easy to follow Jesus or be a disciple. And he said, Well it is for those who do. Um, (laughs) you know, but but that idea, it's like not easy, but actually like it is. You know, you're you love it. You know, you're you have that indebtedness. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for sharing. Anyone else? There's a lot in there. Simple one, but
6: verse twelve in the chapter nine passage stood out to me this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the lord's people but it's also overflowing in making expression god and i think the second part of that verse is like it's just a, particularly encouraging in how it's the generosity and our acts of generosity so often that are telling like this story of god and the gospel um, most clearly intangibly to the people around yes. us. Mm-hmm. And that it's not always an, an explicit like, you know, altar call or something that people experience yeah. like guys. but it, it's through us and like, through mm-hmm. the acts that we get to enter into or the decisions we make on a daily basis mm-hmm. to, to uh, treat those around us with democracy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah, it reminds me. There's a story... My friend, our friend, I had friends that were planting a church in New York City and they all moved up. They didn't have a lot of means and they had to have a certain amount of money in their bank account to like qualify for rent and so they moved money like between each other's accounts just so they had enough money at that point while they applied and the banker was like what in the world are you doing? Like do you trust these people? Do you know these people? And it was actually the first person they got to share the gospel with because they're like what would propel you to like be that generous with your money. Um.
0: I just I, I remember being in a pub in England with a lot of my friends who were Christians, and, and very very quickly when they found out I was a pastor, you know, they had a beer or two, and they were like, "So, you know, is this your full-time job?" And I was like, "Yes." And they, like, "So, where does all the money come from then?" Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, "Well, the Bible talks lots about money, and the church is just filled with very normal people, but if everyone, you know, gives." Uh, according to their faith, mm-hmm. it's amazing, uh, and I kind of just quoted of income is this. It's not my personal gift, but you know the churches in common, and they just could not believe that people were willingly giving, and it was the most powerful like sign. It was the most powerful pat- the mode for them talking about money and the fact that it was just all locally done by normal people who joyfully did it and it wasn't even a big deal I remember thinking, "This." Is, I could tell this is one of the most powerful kind of uh, missional um, you know, like expressions that kind of got more than even trying to defend the gospel just talking about how things happen Yeah.
1: Kindness of people. it just it
0: spoke so powerfully because it was so anti you know, honestly I would say maybe particularly in the UK and I think America is a generally is more of a kind of generous nation. I do think UK people particularly <laughs> struggle more. I know <laughs> you're <say> British person <laughs> I know I do. So anyway, it was incredibly
1: powerful yeah. in Canterbury in, in in the
0: setting. That's um, awesome. Yeah, glory to
1: God. Cool. We'll do one more and then we'll we'll wrap up here. Anyone else have any other observation? Sorry, sorry
4: Yeah. Rate, sorry. Yeah. Um, Two hours away from where and she was very excited to come to see Tom, Josie and the family. But she happened to be they to move in house just while we're here. And I said, oh you know Anna, I'm so sorry we can't come and help you. She said, oh it's fine, she said the church community, they all help. They happen to be Roman Catholics as it happens. And said so every time somebody moves into the area they all help. And people help them move house, they move, you know when they move to house before. And then they helped others. And um, during the COVID, just like you have it here, you know, one by one, we were all shutting all rooms and perhaps being ill. And people would come to the front door. They even had a group of nuns coming around with some cookies and things like that. And it it's just the same thing. So don't worry about being away at all. Hmm. We can manage without you two.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and I know you have, many of you have stories just like that here as well. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> awesome well good well I've run incredibly over so <laughs> there's more you can read on your own time if you want um, but I'll, I'll let do I'd like to close the very last page there's a, a generosity liturgy that I came across a few years ago um, and uh, I just think it captures so distinctly and uh, the essence of kind of the flavor of what we've been talking about today and what we find in scripture so um, you know, just as I think Rob shared I, This is all comes out from what God has done for us mm-hmm. It says in First Peter 2 You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation God's special possession God's special possession He's purchased us, we're a purchased people He sacrificed, He gave of Himself for us Like This all comes back to the gospel And what Jesus has done um, but with that, like in light of that, I wanted to give you a chance. Just I'll pause for 30 seconds, let you read over this liturgy. Um, and if, if, you re- if it resonates with you, we'll have an opportunity to, to share it or to all recite it together. Um, so get, why don't you read it and then we'll recite it together if you like All right, so uh, for those who would like to, should we stand? And uh, let's recite this together for those who want. And... uh